This podcast is brought to you by Dingle Mount Church. It will open up God's Word to you, inspire you to love God, and grow in the knowledge of Him, and challenge you to live a victorious Christian life. Be blessed as you listen. The theme of this morning's service is all about the power of God, the greatness of the God uh, that we worship. And for those who have been with us for the past few Sundays, uh, we've been looking at um, knowing the God that we worship. And we've uh, covered quite a lot, you know, saying that God is a faithful God, that God is a holy God, that God is an eternal God. And it all means something uh, to each one of us. And I think the reason why I've chosen that theme of knowing the God that we worship is sometimes people come to church and they really don't have a depth of understanding of the God that they've been called to worship, either because of what people have told them about God or maybe their experiences about life. And so when they come to church, they think that, well, this is what God is like or who God is. And it makes it more difficult for them to understand the God of the Bible as the Bible presents him to us. And that's why this subject is very important. Uh, to us this morning, knowing the God that we uh, worship. And um, so the scripture reading this morning will be from the book of Revelations, chapter 19. Uh, you need to switch over because um, I think it's not connecting from here. So Revelations chapter uh, 19, and we're going to read from verse 6 of Revelations chapter uh, chapter 19. And um, it's a lovely verse of scripture that um, speaks about the power of God. And we're going to see what this means to offer us. And Revelation chapter 19 verse 6 says, And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. And that word omnipotent is very important because it speaks about the power of God. We say that God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. But here he says he is also omnipotent. That means he is an all-powerful God. And that is very important. And Lord, we just ask that you bless this single verse of scripture uh, to us this morning as we draw close to you. Amen. Um, in worldly terms, if someone says or uses that word power, what normally comes to our mind is maybe the abuse of power. For instance, if you say, oh, there is a powerful government somewhere out there, either in the Middle East or in Africa or in somewhere else, what normally comes to people's mind is the negative aspects of power. We know there's a saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And what that reminds us of is that as humans, when we acquire power, Sometimes we don't use it the way that we are called or the way that we ought to use it. And that's the reason in some parts of the world today, when people get into offices or positions of power and authority, they do things that are unimaginable. It's like a total cleansing of some ethnic groups as we've seen them happen. But that is true with man. But when you come to God, when you hear the word power, it carries a completely different connotation. It means something different to us. Because what that tells us is that God is the only one who not only has all the authority, but who also has all the power. And he can use that power in a way that is consistent 
with his righteous character. And I think that that is very important in our understanding of God. Because I cannot worship a God who is not just only holy, maybe who is eternal, maybe a God who is faithful, but without having an understanding that this God also is a powerful God. If I were to ask you this morning that how powerful do you think God is, I don't know what answers I would get from you. But I'm going to give us a simple illustration here because a pastor who uh, walked up to one of the kids in a Sunday school and he was trying to ask him uh, how powerful God is because that was the theme for that week on the power of God. And so the pastor asked this, uh, walked up to this little boy, his name is Billy, and he asked him, and this is what he said to him, he said, if you can tell me something that God can do, I will give you this apple. So he had an apple in his hand. So he said to the boy, if you can tell me something that God can do, I will give you this apple. And without a moment's hesitation, the boy looked up at the pastor and said to him, Pastor, if you can tell me something that God cannot do, I'll give you a whole box of apples. And I think that that boy actually is a better theologian because the pastor is looking at it and saying, tell me something that God can do. And the boy is trying to get something across to him that actually, tell me something that God cannot do. That's a better question. That's a better way of looking at it. Because the scripture that we read in the book of Revelations chapter 19 and verse 6, that's exactly what it tells us. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns, that God is all-powerful. That word there, omnipotent, actually is a theological term for the great and awesome power of God. And actually what it literally means is all-powerful. When you come to the scriptures, actually there are, I think, about 58 times you find this in the Bible, that we are told that God is the almighty God. In some places you see that word El Shaddai. Some of us are familiar with that in the Old Testament, the El Shaddai God. That's what it talks about, the all-powerful God. In the book of Daniel, chapter 4 and verse 35, I love the way Daniel put it in Daniel 4, verse 35. And he says that no one can restrain his hand or say to him, that is to God, what have you done? So that tells us that Daniel got to a point in his relationship with God when he had to acknowledge that actually God is the all-powerful one, that no one can restrain his hand or no one can say to him, what have you done? So that tells us that the power of God in the Bible, as we have it, is not for power's sake. God is not like a dictator who is trying to rule over everybody or put everyone under without considering whether it's in line with his purpose or his righteous character. God carries out his purposes, but he does it through his power. And that's why Daniel says, nothing can restrain him and no one can say to him, what have you done? But to help us in our understanding about the power of God, because I don't want to take this for granted, that every one of us in this room, we understand that God is powerful and that this is what his power means. So when we come to the scripture, what does the Bible teach us really about the power of God? I'm not going to rely on what I think I know about the power of God. I'm not going to rely on what someone else have told me about the power of God. When you speak to people, they will give you different things or theories about the God that we serve. Some will tell you, well, there are things that God can do, and there are things that is actually impossible for God. Or maybe God has got power, 
but his powers are limited here and there and there, or maybe God can do this in this other part of the world, but he can't do it. And so people have different concepts about the power of God. But when you come to the scripture, you will see what the Bible clearly tells us about the God that we serve and also about his power. And the first thing that the Bible tells us about the God that we serve is that God can do all things. That's the first place to start in our understanding of God being powerful. God can do all things. Now for us as humans, this is almost like a foreign concept sometimes because we know that our powers as humans is limited. There are things that I can do. There are places that possibly I can go to. And there are tasks that if I'm given, I won't be able to do them or accomplish them. And so when we come to our relationship with God, and then all of a sudden we are told that actually this God can do all things, some begin to struggle. Because what they are doing is taking their understanding of the human nature and what our limitations are, and they are trying to put that also on God and say, well, do you think that he really can? And if he can, why hasn't he done this? And all the questions that we ask. But like I said, the best place to start is this statement. God can do all things. Remember in the Bible, Job was a man who went through all kinds of sufferings and pain. And he lost everything literally that he had. Now you would assume that because Job had lost everything, that he wouldn't believe in the power of God. Or he wouldn't believe that God can do all things. But then when you come to the book of Job chapter 42 and verse 2, Job made a powerful statement or declaration in Job chapter 4. Job chapter 42 and verse 2. And listen to what he says in Job 42 and verse 2. He says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Now, if I'm going through troubles and trials and I've literally lost everything, how easy will it be for me to look up to God and say, you know what, God, you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. This is a time when people deny the existence of God. This is a time when people begin to struggle in their understanding of this God and what he means to them in their faith. But Job echoed it so well in this verse of scripture that I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. So that tells me that I'm not called to allow my experiences to define God's power. Because sometimes that's what we do. You apply for a job and it doesn't come through and then you begin to question, is God true? Is he powerful? You pray for something and it never happens and then you begin to wonder, well, if he's all powerful, can he? And here we have a man who never allowed his experiences and the things that he was going through and even some of his friends who were questioning the existence and the power of God. Job rose above that and the scripture tells us here that I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. If you remember Jesus as well, when Jesus was here on earth, Jesus actually reinforced this truth that everything is possible with God, that God can do everything. And he said this in relation to salvation. You remember when they were asking him about the rich and being difficult to get into the kingdom of God. And Jesus Christ said something, and I love what he says in the book of Mark chapter 10 and verse 27. And it's a very good answer that he gave them. He says, but Jesus, Mark 10, 27, looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. 
For with God, all things are possible. So there are things that are not possible with men. There are things that you cannot do and will never be able to do. But Jesus Christ says, for with God, all things are possible. Now he didn't say some things are possible. That's why I love this verse of scripture. All things are possible with God. And in your worship of God and in your relationship as you come to church and you hear the scriptures, if you've not come to a point where you believe that actually all things are possible with God, it's going to be a, there's going to be a problem. You will struggle in your faith. When things don't happen or when you come to God in prayer and you're trying to pray, if you don't have it at the back of your mind that actually my God can do all things and all things are possible with him, then you will never place demands on that God. You will never ask him to do the impossible. You will never believe that this God can open a way for you where there seems to be no way. And that's where we start. The first thing the Bible tells us about God's power is that he can do all things. And the second thing that the Bible tells us, like I said, I'm not relying on what people think, but what on the Bible teaches us. The second thing is that nothing is too hard for God. And you might wonder, that sounds like the first point I've given, but slightly different. It's one thing for me to believe, well, I know God can do all things. But then it's another thing for me also to come to a point I can say, you know what, nothing is too hard for this God. In the book of Genesis chapter 18, we have a wonderful story in Genesis, and many of us know this story so well. And it's a story that tells us that nothing is too difficult or too hard for God. We know the story of Abraham and Sarah, who tried to have a child, but they remained childless for years. And of course, the Bible says that they had gone past the age of giving birth or having children. And then all of a sudden, God shows up through a man and spoke to them and gave a promise that by this time, this year, Sarah was going to not just be pregnant, but she will have a child. And when Sarah had the promise, when she listened to that promise, the Bible said she laughed because she felt this is an impossible situation. A good example here, if, if I walk up to my wife, Nikki, and I ask, tell her, Nikki, um, you're going to have a baby in the next maybe one year or two years. She's not going to laugh because she can see it as a possibility that there's still a, it's possible for her to still have a child. But if I walk up to John, if I come to you this morning and I say to you, John, next year you're going to have a baby, what will be your reaction? <laughs> she just said a miracle. <laughs> and that's exactly, so you can see for someone, well, it's possible. But for another person, they'll say, well, you know what, this is going to be a miracle for this to happen. And so that's why when that promise was given, she never believed it. She laughed, but listen to what God said to her in Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14. Look at verse 14 of Genesis 18. It says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Is anything too hard? So we're not saying that God, yes, we know that he can do, but we're also saying that this God, actually, nothing is too hard or too difficult for him. Sometimes we go through impossible situations, humanly speaking, or we look at it and say, you know what, this is too difficult. But then God stares us sometimes in the face and says, nothing is too difficult or hard for me. And we know that this promise came to pass because the baby at the time was born. Let's think about Jesus Christ, the birth of Jesus. How possible is it for a virgin to conceive and to give birth to a child? But the Bible said that happened. 
the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. And that which will be born of you shall be named or shall be called. And the name was given. And that's exactly how it happened. So with man, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With man, there are things that are too hard and too difficult. You know, sometimes in our world where you have connections and people who try to control things and organizations, sometimes you want to get into some places and they tell you, well, it's too difficult. You can get in there. It's only for a particular group. It's only for the elite. It's only for this. But sometimes God bypasses all that and still opens doors and does things for his people. But we need to come to a point where we believe that actually nothing is too hard for God. In our health, sometimes nothing is too hard for God. In whatever God has called us to do, nothing is too hard for God to do. The third thing we need to know also about God's power, not only is that nothing is too hard for him, but that God never gets tired. He never gets tired. And this is very important in our understanding about the power of God. As human, there are times when I do get tired. Maybe I've done so much, I've worked so hard, or I've done something, and, and it gets to a point, you know, I said, you know what, I think I'm tired now, and I need to get a rest. I'm tired, I can't take any more. And sometimes you hear statements like that, people say, you know what, I've had enough, I can't take any more. But then when you look at God, and all the mighty things that God did in Scripture, you never get to a point where, after God had done a mighty work or a mighty act, the next thing you see is that the Bible then tells you that God have run out of strength and he can do the next thing that is meant to be done. And there's a wonderful scripture in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. And what this scripture does is that it tells us or makes a bold declaration about God and his power and his inability to get tired. And look at what he says in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28. He says this, he says, Have you not known... Have you not heard? The everlasting God, you see, he calls him everlasting. We've looked at that already. The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he says, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. So it's a scripture that tells you that God has his power. He always, he will always act. He never gets to a point where this God then becomes tired or weary. He never gets to a point where because he has done something for one person, He's run out of strength and he can't do it again or do it for another person. He never gets to a point where because he has blessed me this year, done something for me this year, that that God hasn't got enough strength and power to do it for me next year. And that's why when you look at the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt, after God had brought them through Egypt, it was a mighty deliverance that God did. And then the next minute you see God still acting on their behalf, bringing out water from the rock, and doing things and sending food and manna from heaven. That is the nature of God. Because he never faints nor is weary. And I love that song that says strength will arise as we wait upon the Lord. Now why are we going to wait upon him? Because he is the one who never gets tired. And he is the one who can give us his own strength when we come to him. So very important. God never gets tired. Now what that does for me is that most times when I come to God in prayer... I know that he's ever willing to listen to me. I know that he's never tired of listening or hearing. As a father, sometimes for us as parents, you know, our children come to us and they talk and ask for things and sometimes we get tired of hearing the same things over and over again. And we wish that they can give us a little break or peace 
but not so with God. We come to him, we talk to him, his ears are always open and ready to hear us. God never gets tired. And the next thing that I want us to consider about God's power as well, and this is very important, and I will explain it, is that God cannot violate his character when we talk about his power. And I will explain to us, because this is very important, God cannot violate his character. Now, why I'm saying this is very simple. There are times when we pray as Christians, and you ask God for things, you want to see those things happen. And you're saying to yourself, well, if God is all-powerful, so why hasn't he done it? If he has enough power to answer my prayers or to do what I'm asking for, then why is he not doing what I've just asked for? Or why hasn't he done it? But what I've discovered in scripture is that the exercise of God's power is always governed, and this is very important, by the constraints of his character. So that means although God is all-powerful, God will never do anything that is out of his character or that is not in line with his purpose for your life and for my life. So I can pray for things. I can say, well, God, if you're all powerful, why not do this for me? And you haven't done it. Now, God will not do it just to satisfy my curiosity because don't forget, he's a God who has got plans and purposes for us. And so the exercise of God's power must always be governed by the constraints of his character. So God will never do anything for you, anything for me, though you may desire it so much that is not in line with his character. A very good example is Jesus on the cross. Let us remember this. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, the people looked at him and they mocked him. Now what did they say to Jesus? If you are the son of God, free yourself from the cross. They are saying, if you are all powerful, then show your power by getting down from the cross. Not only getting down, but save all those who are also on the cross with you. But what did Jesus do? He never satisfied their quest for him to come down from the cross or desire to come down from the cross. Because the purpose of God is that he go to the cross. And that's why I said that the exercise of his power is always governed by the constraints of his character. So the character and the purpose of God is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins is that he shed his blood so that we can be saved. So no matter how much we pray for Jesus not to have gone to the cross or to avert the cross, or the tragedy as we call it of the cross, God says, that is my plan. That is my purpose. Remember even Jesus fell in the garden. The Bible said he prayed, if it is your will, let this cup pass over from me. But then he says, not my will, but yours be done. He submitted to the will and the purpose of his father. And this is where some Christians struggle. They are looking at God and sometimes they think, well, I should have this. I have prayed for this and it seems that God has failed me. But they are not thinking about the overall purpose of God and what God's plan is possibly for their lives. And that's why we need to be very careful when we approach this God. You remember Jesus? Actually, there's another example. Jesus, you remember when he was being tempted by the devil? And the Bible tells us, that the Satan, the enemy said to him, if you are truly the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now Jesus could have easily done that because he's a miracle worker. But because that was not in line and consistent with his purpose and what he came to do, he's not there to satisfy the devil's curiosity or anyone's curiosity. What Jesus did was Jesus used the scriptures 
to counter what the devil is saying. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. If we were in Jesus' shoes or position, maybe we could have said, all right, I'll prove to you that I'm powerful. And you'd have gone ahead to do what you should not have done. But God's, like I said, exercise of his power must always be governed by the constraints of his character. You're asking God to do something, but think again that does God have a purpose for your life along that line? Is there something that he wants you to see that you're not seeing? And maybe that could be why that had been withheld from you. Or maybe he has a greater purpose for you, and that's why that thing has never happened. Sometimes we disregard God's character, we disregard his purpose, and we are asking him to do things that maybe is not in line with his character or in line with his purpose. When God opened my eyes to see some of these truths, it's humbling. Because, you know, as humans, we want things done. We want him, this is what I want. I want to have my way. If you don't do it, then you're no longer God. I don't believe in prayer. But the reality is that God will do things that are always in line with what he's proposed and planned for our lives. As I close this morning, you may be wondering, well, you've said that God can do all things, but are there things that God cannot do? I will tell us this, and this may shock you, and you're going to see this in Scripture. This is in line, actually, with the last point that I've just made. That there are three things that God cannot do. And you might be wondering, what are these things that God cannot do? The first thing that God cannot do is that God cannot lie. Very important. Because when you get to the Scriptures, and this is in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, in the book of Titus 1 verse 2, and this is what the Scripture tells us in Titus 1 2. It says, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time. So is there ever something that God cannot do? God cannot lie. And that's why when I pick up my Bible as the Word of God, I know that all His promises for me in the Word of God is true. Because He cannot lie. If God has given a promise, I hold on to the promise that His promise is sure and faithful. Because my God, if there's something he cannot do, my God cannot lie. Second thing that he cannot do, there are actually three of them I saw in scripture. Second thing that he cannot do is that God cannot deny himself. And you might be wondering, what does that mean? How does that relate to us? There's a scripture in Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13. In Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, listen to what he says. He says, if we are faithless, which sometimes we are, he says, he, that is God, remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. In other words, God will never change because we have changed. God will never go back on his words because we have gone back on ours. So you can see, these are the things that God cannot do. So he still points to the fact that he is an all-powerful God, and He never changes, because He cannot lie. Sometimes as humans, we lie. We misrepresent the truth and the facts, but we have a God who is faithful, and whom the Scripture says, can not deny Himself. The last thing that God cannot do, is that God cannot be tempted, or tempt anyone. Now when you hear that phrase, tempted or tempt anyone. 
I've heard people when they are going through temptations and things, they are saying, oh, God is tempting me and this is what he's doing. But, but the Bible tells us clearly that if there is something God cannot do, is that God cannot himself be tempted or tempt anyone to do evil. In the book of James chapter 1 and verse 13, and it's a very important scripture. Listen to what this scripture says in James chapter 1 verse 13. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So, see, so sometimes when we as humans are tempted, it's either maybe from our own desires and lust, and then we are drawn into those things. But God can test us. There's a difference between God testing us and God tempting us. Like in Abraham's case, God tested Abraham's faith. But that was not temptation. The Bible tells us clearly that the evil one is the one who comes to tempt, to deceive us, and to lead us astray. So let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot. So you can see things that God cannot do. He cannot lie. He cannot deny himself. And also, he cannot be tempted, or does he tempt anyone? And as I close this morning, you might be saying to me, what does all this mean for you this morning? Well, it's good that you've shown me all the scriptures. You've talked about the power of God. But how can I know in my life as a person that God truly is powerful? Maybe you've looked at areas of your life and you looked around you and you can't seem to see the power of God at work. I'm going to point you to three places as evidence to show that God actually, how you can know that God truly is powerful. And the first place is the power of God as is seen in creation. If you're wondering whether God is powerful, I want you to look around you and see all that God has made in creation. Look at the beauty of the universe. And that should convince you that actually this God is powerful in terms of the intricate details and everything that this God has made. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, this is what Paul was trying to get across to the people. That if you want to know the power of God and you are doubting and you want to see the power of God, look at all the things that he has made. In Romans 1.20, listen to what he says. It says, for since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. He says, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, he's saying to you, you have no excuse. When you look at creation, the things that are made, the attributes and the things that are clearly seen, he points to the fact that there is an all-powerful God who is behind you. It doesn't matter what your theory of creation is. Oh, it's evolution and we came from apes and all of the things that we say. But the Bible clearly reinforces there is a God who is the creator of all things. And there we see his power being made manifest for us to see. Sometimes I remember when I traveled to Nigeria and I was in the, I was in the flight and I was just looking at the skies and the beauty of creation and what I was seeing through the wind, uh, the, the window. And, and, and sometimes it's, I, In my heart is this respect and awe for God. That God is wonderful. He's marvelous. He has set things in their own place. And they function just the way that God has made it. So do you want to see the power of God and you're doubting and you're not sure? 
look again at creation. Maybe in the nights, wake up in the night and open your windows and look up into the skies and see the stars and the beauty and how things are set in place. Look at the oceans when you travel and the things all around you and see how that God has put things together. And not only that, you want to see again the power of God or you're wondering, how can I know the power of God? You can see the power of God in God's ability to sustain creation. Not only has God put these things in place, but the Bible tells us also that God's power can be seen in his ability to sustain all that he has created. Imagine if for one minute that God takes his hand away from creation, what it will turn to. But we know that not only do we have a creator who has put things in place by his power, we also know that he sustains and he preserves creation. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 this is what he said to the people as he was writing. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 and talks about the sustaining power of God. He says, Who being in Hebrews 1 3, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding, I like that verse, upholding all things by the word of his power. He said, When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So not only is he creator, but he says, upholding all things by the word of his power. He's the one who holds all things together. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse... Actually, I love, I like how Paul in Colossians put it to the Colossian Christians. He says, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That is the power of God. Not only... Is he creator and I can see his power in creation, but I can also see that he sustains and he's the one that holds all things together. And finally, the power of God can be seen in the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, some of us are here this morning and we wonder, well, the power of God. Unanswered prayers, there are things happening in my life, I can make sense of it. And you're wondering, so where is the power of God? The scriptures will tell you, think about the resurrection of Jesus. Where in human history has a man died, been in the grave, and the Bible says that he came back alive, never to die again. The power of resurrection. And that tells you the power of God that we serve. So we're not serving a dead God. We're not serving a God who cannot do mighty things. But we're serving a God who the Bible tells us that he is alive and he is well. In Ephesians, there's a scripture in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20. Is there, is there a wonderful verse of scripture? Sometimes it's good for us to look at this scripture so that it reinforces what we are saying. In Ephesians 1 chapter 20, sorry, Ephesians 1 verse 20. It says, which he worked in Christ. This is God, that he worked in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places. Can you see that? When he raised him from the dead, and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. So we are saying that God's power is awesome. This is not about religion. Because you tell me a religion that have a living Savior. They've all died. But Jesus Christ, not only that he was put in the grave, the Bible says he rose and conquered the grave. So that tells me something about this Jesus and about this God, that he is not just an ordinary historical person, but he is the Lord 
of all. No wonder why Paul, in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There's something about the resurrection power of Jesus that Paul says, I truly want to encounter. It's not just about coming to church. It's not just about someone telling me about this Jesus, but I really want to encounter him. And I think that those truths should sink deep into our hearts. It should stir up worship. If I know that God is all-powerful, then what he does is when I come to him, I come to him with full confidence, knowing that my God can do all things. There's nothing too powerful for him to do. He cannot deny himself. He cannot lie. He cannot tempt me. And at the same time, that God will be true to his character and to the purpose that he's got for my life as a person. So if you're struggling this morning, maybe because of what you are going through, I want to point you to the power of God. I want to remind you again that God never disappoints us. Though we may struggle, though things may look tough and rough, but we quote unto him in faith and in confidence, knowing that he has a plan and he has a will for your life and for mine. Shall we bow our hearts as we just thank him this morning for speaking into our hearts? I don't know what your situation is or what you're struggling with this morning coming into this place. Or maybe you've lost confidence in God entirely. This is a reminder once again that he is a powerful God. You can come to him again in confidence. Not only that he died, but he rose again. That's why we rejoice the story of Easter. That's why you can pray to him in confidence. Knowing that nothing is too difficult for this God to do for you. Never define God by the limits of your ability. Father, we just thank you this morning for speaking into our hearts. Thank you for opening our eyes once again to see that you are the powerful God. Thank you for showing us that your purposes will come to pass and will sometimes override our will and our desires. Because you cannot violate your character. And Lord, as we hand our lives over to you once again, we pray that you will lead us, you will guide us, and that your power will be made known in our lives. This we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, why not join us in worship at the Dingle Mount Church? Or log on to our website at www.dinglemount.org for more information. Thank you for listening.